Welcome to episode 181 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. On today's episode, we're joined by Dan Matthews to discuss Auburn recruiting, Florida State to the Big Ten, and tiers of title contenders. We finish up with the uncensored moments of the week before we answer fan questions. You can find this show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com, and Apple and Spotify. During the season, join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday at 8 Eastern Time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. You can c- find clips from the show on Twitter, at SatDownSouth and at SatFBUncensored, on Instagram and TikTok, at SaturdayDownSouth, and you can find us on YouTube at SaturdayDownSouth. And now, here's the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, my normal co-host, Chris, plus producer Dan in the house as well tonight. Boys, how we doing? We gotta gotta give him a nickname. You can't be producer Dan anymore. Well, it's it's gonna be a workshop thing. Uh, We're gonna go through uh, some... uh, uh, what do they call those groups um, that uh, that you have when like, you're trying to figure out if it's good? Yeah, focus groups. Focus, focus groups. Group. That's what it is. Focus group it. Uh, find out if it's good or if it sucks. Uh, which, uh, for the most part, you know, with people uh, trusting their opinions, you know, it can get a little hairy. Yeah. If, uh, hey, you know, I want I want to hear you guys talk more about the Vanderbilt defensive line. You do not want to hear us talk about the Vanderbilt yeah. defensive line. We're not going to do that to you. Um, you know, uh, Andy Staples and, and Barrett Salee had a funny joke about that. And Andy Staples said, yeah, this show is going to be about hat on a hat. That's, that's what we're going to talk about on this show. I love that. Nobody wants that. Hat on a hat is like, the, that was like the one phrase that whoever was on Jefferson pilot in like the mid two thousands knew what it, like, that's all they would say. That's just good. Big man on big man hat on a hat football is one of the Daves like Doc. Doc, Dr. Jerry Punch Ooh, would say that. Yeah. Mike he was a Hogger, Hogwood. Who? Mike Hogwood. He's an ACC guy. You wouldn't understand. That's a porn star. You're lying to all of us. The Hogger, man. That's real. <laughs> Mike the Hogger. That's <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, well, we got a lot to talk about. Recruiting is definitely heating up. I, it's kind of weird. I feel like where it used to be maybe three, four years ago, like all the kids would commit during the season. Uh, leading mm-hmm. up to signing day, it feels like most people have their class in order outside of like maybe they're waiting on a few big dogs uh, like already, like now. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think so. Bama's, Bama doesn't. That's for sure. Yeah, they're de- they, they definitely they, have, the last couple of years. I, it's been a thing like, oh, look at Bama. They're at 32nd in the country behind Kansas. <laughs> they're they're yeah. here. They, I'm like, OK, all right, let's tune in in about mid-December and see where that's at. Well, they were like fifth a week ago. And that was my favorite thing, too, because like Georgia fans especially were like, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped that my coach isn't out here on vacation in Italy. And it was like, okay, well, Saban's like 71. They've been putting off this vacation for like a decade. And then, Dan, you heard it when you were at mid-media days with me. Kirby brought it up immediately. He's like, we wanted to go to Italy for, for vacation, but we went to Mississippi instead. Um, I'm not super worried about it. But I, I did think that it, it makes sense now that I thought about it this weekend with the recruiting, why everyone's doing it this week? Because like this weekend, you had all the big recruiting stuff, right? Like Big Cat Weekend, Grill in the Ville, whatever the fuck was happening up at Michigan with that that just child's <laughs> plate of food, all of those things. Because now it's like the last week before fall camp starts, and now like going into next week, now you got to like focus on the season. So I kind of I kind of get that part. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's also, too, I mean, we all know that these commitments are only as good as the word that was said because, I mean, you know, oh, they put out a graphic. Well, they can very easily put out a graphic of my commitment is back open. Yeah. No interviews, please. Respect my decision. All of that. I mean, you're going to have a lot of that. And the funny thing is, too, is I think you mentioned Georgia there a little bit. Georgia has been known in the last few years as being like a strong finisher and that the spring was not necessarily their forte. Like they were kind of yeah. slow this time of the year. But I mean, now I think that the name of the game is with the transfer portal and everything of the such is just get numbers. Man. Yeah. Like just get as many guys to say yes to you now and know that there will be some attrition. And then, you know, you worry about it from there because you're going to have guys who want to transfer into your program. You're going to have guys who want to transfer out. So that's another element in the equation you have to, you know, talk about. So, I mean, I, I think that's probably a huge reason for it. But also, too, I think a lot of these kids just have decided to kind of take the baseball approach about it of I'm going to go ahead and just get it out of the way yeah. and, and have it done. Yeah, well, it seems like a lot of people are getting it out of the way for Auburn recently. Uh, Hugh Freeze has come in there, and we—I I don't know that we should be too too surprised by this. I mean, he did a heck of a job when he was recruiting at Ole Miss, but um, now in I/O and all the shit that he was doing illegally there is pretty much legal now. So on Wednesday, maybe not everything, um, but on Wednesday, no, are still very much against NIL. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> Auburn flipped. Uh, speaking of Georgia and Bama. Uh, they flipped five-star linebacker Demarcus Riddick from Georgia, six foot two, two hundred twelve pound linebacker, twenty-sixth overall player in the two-four-seven composite, uh, number three player in Alabama, and everyone was kind of freaking out. It's like, wow, man, they took. Uh... I will say it's hard for in-state kids at the end of the day from places like Mississippi and Alabama to actually leave the state. Um, and if they do, sometimes it's the LSU. But a lot of times you're seeing Bama and then Auburn kind of get the scraps from Bama. Well, not only did they flip this kid from Georgia, but then they also flipped five-star for the 2025 class, wideout Perry Thompson. Who, no, he's 2024. Is he 2024? Yeah, don't even. I don't even want you to fucking mention them flipping anybody from 2025 because they've got two five-star receivers in that class too. That I hope stay put, but yeah, he is in the. You're right, he is in the 2024 class. Six foot three, 203 pounds, runs the 100 meter dash, sub 11 seconds. He's the fourth in the state of Alabama and 32nd overall in the 247 composite. So Hugh Free is not messing around, man. Okay, so I have a lot of thoughts on this. This will shock you that I have a lot of thoughts on this. I thought it was awesome when they got Riddick. I was the Thompson thing was kind of expected for anybody that was like kind of following along with recruiting. He was going to happen at some point. Um, so it wasn't like a surprise necessarily, but it still sucks if, if you're a Bama fan because you look at Auburn and you look at what Hugh Freeze has been able to do in a very short period of time. And, you know, this this vaulted them to the number seventh ranked class in the SEC. And I say vaulted kind of as a joke, right? And they're still 17th. That's still better. Like everything he's done in the short eight months that he's been there is light years better than what, what Harson did. Harson was there for two years, signed a total 
of 12 four stars in both of the classes he was there for, zero top 100 recruits. You talk about Freeze going to get two five stars right away. He's got he's got 12 players in this class alone for next season that are four or five stars, uh, including the two five stars we just talked about. Anytime you go get a kid, I don't care if it's expect or not, anytime you go get a kid that's already committed to your two biggest rivals, that are the two best programs in the country, and arguably the two best recruiters in the country, that's a massive get. That's a massive get. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is, too, like with Thompson, I mean, he's from that lower Alabama area, and Auburn has still been strong there Mm -hmm. in, you know, the Mobile area. I mean, that's when Auburn's been really good at recruiting. They've not only gotten lower Alabama, they've not only gotten their area, Phoenix City, that that whole area right near uh, the Plains, but also, too, something to keep an eye on, and it's going to be really interesting to see. Kirby and Del McGee in Georgia have almost put a hammer lock yeah. on Columbus and LaGrange and Southwest Georgia. Good talent. That's been an too. area that Auburn, that, I mean, like Auburn almost kind of considered that area to almost be in state. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that you had a guy that was from that area and pretty much, you know, it, it's been for the longest time, you know, a kid from Upson Lee or somewhere mm. like that, they're going to Georgia. Like they're not going to Auburn anymore. And that's been, something that's been uh, a little bit of uh, an adjustment and we'll be interesting to see if Hugh Freeze can cut into that a little bit. I wonder what the pitch is right now. Is it just like, look at my offense in the past. We don't have the players right now. So yeah, I got to imagine he's kind of setting the tone. Like, look, you're committing now, whatever happens this season, just don't pay attention to it. And look, we've talked on this podcast that it might not be that bad of a season for Auburn, but like, just like, I felt like Norvell had to do when he took over at Florida State, and he still struggled with that. It's like, yeah, you were getting interest from guys, and they may even be committing, but then you go out and you win three games or five games. They all go to Clemson, Florida, wherever. Um, There's a couple coaches that are probably going to have to do that this year, Napier being one of them as well. Yeah. So, and and here's like talking about the pitch of it because there's still so much that I, I think that's it's worthy of looking into with the free stuff. It was funny to watch the immediate reactions from from Bama and Georgia fans because they did the same thing. All this is the most like textbook bullshit response from fans we see every year. It's like we didn't want him anyway. We already knew we were getting somebody else. We didn't have room for him in the class. He wasn't a, he wasn't a good fit. But like if it's a five star receiver, they're always a good fit. If it's a five star linebacker, it's going to be a good fit. That's a position, especially in Alabama. Listen, if you're a Bama fan, you need to be honest with yourself here. It is concerning because it's Auburn. Getting getting recruits, anytime Auburn's getting recruits, you haven't had to deal with that in a long time. They, they signed one five-star in the last five years combined. They get two in a week under Hugh Freeze. Um, if you're talking about the pitch that they're making, this is exactly what Perry Thompson said. He said, quote, yeah, I could go to Bama, but why not, why not be that change in a program's history? Hated it. Hated every single part of that sentence, word by word. It got worse as it went on. Um, but that being said, tremendous job by Freeze. You alluded to it earlier, Tyler, with what he did at Ole Miss. When he was at Ole Miss, thank you, Pepper. Um, he was there for four years. He had four top. Bless you. Bless you. He had four top fifteen recruiting classes, two in the top five. Um, they've had thirteen total five stars that signed ever. This is at, when I made this video um, rep- that I'm referencing right now. In the numbers, it was like last November. Um, they had 13 total five stars in program history at that point. Eight of those were from the four years that Hugh Freeze was there. And you could say whatever you want about how he cheated to get him. And, and like, I saw that, that whole, you know, line too from other Bama and Georgia fans about he's cheating. He's, there's no cheating anymore, guys. There's no cheating. Like, like everyone's allowed to do this. Saban brought that kid, wrote, like, let him ride shotgun on the way to the spring game. 
and he still decided to go play for Hugh Freeze. Now, you can sugarcoat it however you want if you're a fan of a rival team to, to like you know make yourself feel better. But if you're being honest, this is not what you want to see if you're an Auburn or if you're an Alabama fan. Maybe not as much for Georgia because that program is in a different trajectory right now and a different place than I think Bama is. But like, man, just just like here's the one thing I know that Bama has not had to do in the last five years, and that's compete against an in-state team recruiting and 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 compete at a, like for high-level recruits again. Zero top 100 players in the last two years under Harson, one five-star in the last five years total. And the other thing is real quick, and I'll hand it over to you, Dan, because I, I know you want to say something about this too, is like you look at when when the Saban dynasty first started, 2008, 2009, Foley is where Julio Jones came from. It's the same place where Perry Thompson came from. Dre Kirkpatrick, Jerry Milner. Um, so I'm, and I'm losing, like, you know, like Tyler Love. I know he was a bust, but he was a five-star top, or offensive lineman. Some of these bigger-name recruits, Mark Barron, A.J. McCarron, all these guys – they were from the state of Alabama. That's not a super talent-rich state. This year and next, you're kind of seeing some really, really, really good, talented players come from there that you're able to start building a program on. It looks like that's what Auburn's starting to do. Yeah, a couple of quick things. I mean, I actually thought about this today when I was, you know, driving around, and that's where I always get my ideas for things. And if that happens, you see me on the roadways, I probably got an idea cooking up in the head. But um, one of them is kind of like, what is Hugh Freeze selling? I think he's selling. I beat that guy twice. Yeah. Like I know how to beat that guy and I know how to have really good offense and you can be a huge part of that. I mean, look at what I did at Ole Miss Mm -hmm. with Bo Wallace and there's Bo Wallace slander on this show. I apologize, Bo, but the point is, I mean, you know, with with guys like him and, Uh, and, you know, Chad Kelly didn't become what, what we thought he was going to be. But I mean, still he, he beat Bama with both of those guys as his quarterback. The second part of this is that's when I'm going to truly believe, oh wow, it, it's flipping at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Is if he's able to get one of these, if he's able to get one of these quarterbacks, because yeah. that's really kind of the interesting thing. Good point. That he, that Hugh never really got when he was at Ole Miss. Maybe he would have gotten it. Um, he got a transfer from Malik Willis, and then Malik Willis has turned it into being a, a high draft pick in the NFL. And we'll try to find out if he can play in the NFL. It's besides the point, but. That to me is when that happens that I might look around and say, oh shit, like Hugh Freeze really has this thing going. Well, I mean, Kelly was a good, I mean, Shea Patterson was a five-star who went to Ole Miss under, under Freeze. Right. Kelly, right. Kelly was, was a high-ranked recruit. He had a lot of issues off the field, maybe you could say, whatever. But, and you brought it up too. Listen, they beat him twice. They were up 24 to three in 2016. And, and I know they lost that game, but it was like, you know, they got a, they got Walker White, who's a four star. I think he was an Elite Eleven finalist as well at Auburn coming in next year. But I think you, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with it. Um, now, since you guys know me well enough too, allow me to be petty for a second, but also play devil's advocate here. I mean, let's not pretend that recruiting season's over. Or these kids have signed on the dotted line. There's rumors they might get KJ Bolden next week, but I mean, we've seen years past TJ Yeldon, Rashawn Evans. Quinn Williams, hell, they had a linebacker tattoo the, the damn logo on his forearm, um, and he still ended up going to Alabama and becoming an All-American and first-round pick. So there's still a lot of time left. I think it's still a tremendous job by Freeze, man. Yeah, and you'd heard before they even hired Freeze that their their NIL was one of the ones in the country that was doing a really good job of being organized and, and funding and all that kind of stuff. So 
Uh, yeah, look, the KJ Bolden stuff is interesting too. I mean, they're, he had hinted that maybe they're in the top two now. I don't know. It seems like the kid likes to play a lot of games, so I'll, I'm interested to see where he ends up going. I, I still refuse to believe it won't be Georgia until it's not, um, and that's included yeah. where, wherever he commits this week. One quick thing from you know this on, on Auburn, and I think it was ESPN that caught up with Cole Kublik. The problem at Auburn hasn't necessarily been getting players there. It mm-hmm. hasn't necessarily been even having good coaching. I mean, you know, despite what you want to say about Gus, Gus beat, Gus beat Nick. He, he beat Alabama. With anyone. And, you know, he just didn't – yeah, I mean, he just didn't win enough of the games that mattered, i.e. beating Georgia and getting the SEC championship game and getting into the college football playoff. That's why Gus was no longer there. I think that that's probably the part of it is that does Hugh and also, you know, the athletic leadership with John Cohen and everybody now have enough to tell the, you know, Yellowwood guy and all the others at Auburn, hey, your money is great. Right. But stay out of all of the other business. Yeah. We're, we're not. We're not going to live in that world anymore. I, I almost wonder if that's uh, if that message has been said. Yeah. Uh, so right now, so. Auburn's one of seven programs in the country that has two five stars at least. The only play. The only programs that have more right now: UGA and Ohio State. Not too surprising for those two. So uh, yeah, Auburn's off to a great start. There were some other big uh, recruits that committed this week we mentioned kj bolden will be next weekend um charles lester the number two corner number 20 player in the nation um gotta shout this one out uh he was always thought to be going to florida state he's a florida state like he loves florida state took a last minute unofficial for the whole week last week to colorado and uh that obviously got people's interest because not only has Dion stolen Travis Hunter, the number one corner mm-hmm. that was committed to Florida State, but he also got the number one corner last year in Kermani McLean, who was committed to Florida and Miami at one point. And this kid's from the state of Florida, but he ends up committing to Florida State. Uh, I saw Graham Coffey put out a tweet. He was like, I- I've been thinking about this. He's, he watched the, the commitment of Charles Lester. And he said, I think Florida State's all the way back now because this kid, they opened up like some tweets. And he was sitting in a throne with a crown, with his giant gold chain, with a flaming yeah. spear. I was like, oh, that was pretty right. sick. He came out to Meek. He came out to Meek Mill. Yeah. I, I, it honestly, it looked like it, you you were the one that put together that whole fucking announcement. I was like, Tyler has got his fingerprint well, all over this. Yeah, I did. I did put that together actually. Um, yeah. So so that was good. I think Georgia. You, Chris, you mentioned Georgia just picked up a big commit. Yeah, they got a kid named Christopher with a K. So on the heels of what we just said with with all the shit with Auburn, you better fucking prepare yourselves now for that kid to commit because any any player with a K that starts their first name, that's got Auburn running back written all over it. Um, I don't care what year we're in. So, uh, yeah, but that's like another four-star recruit, top ten linebacker in the country. Um, we'll, you know, KJ Bolden's this week, we'll see. Georgia's not hurting either way, right? Like like they've got their, – their class is phenomenal. Um but yeah, the thing about Florida State I thought was interesting was the guy who committed um, the the cornerback. He said, and I quote, that that Mike Norvell he thinks is the best coach in the country right now because of the way he cares about his players. Which I thought, do I agree with it? No, but do I, you know, love it for what you know for my my good buddy Tyler here and also for that programming back? Yeah, I mean, I was and I was gonna say I might need to start unmuting Graham Coffee again, but after that take, I'll probably still just keep him muted. I don't know. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, I'm a big fan of Mike Norvell because he allows me to take pictures like this and then says, <laughs> what, what do I, what do I do? Do I, do I just smile? Do, do I just hand. stand here? Do I, yeah. You know, I, I took it for Tyler. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, he's, Hey, look, I, I mean, he's got something special going on. I mean, we know that they've got a really good evaluation arm for, for the portal. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's starting to translate into high school recruiting too, as well, where, you have kids out there that say, huh, if they see this in these guys, what will they see in me? Right. And I think I think this will be a huge season. I think if nothing else, too, I mean, you know, you're talking about the graphic. Florida State's not Florida State unless they're swag. Right. I mean, they're not. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what that program is and what it should be. Yep. And they haven't had that in a really long time. I mean, I... I think that Jimbo kind of took that yeah. away. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I just don't think that Willie, God bless him, necessarily knew God, I forgot he was there. That. Yeah. I always forget yeah, that. If you blinked, you missed the yeah. Willie Taggart era. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you know, I think I think Mike Norvell's got that. And, I, and I'll give him credit. His messaging has remained the same. Right. I mean, even when they lost to Jack, Jacksonville State, he was like, hey, we're going to win. We're going to win. And people there were like, ah, bullshit. Yeah. Right. Uh, like, you know, whatever, dude. The last guy said that we were blowing late leads to Boise yeah. State. I mean, we'll believe, we'll believe it when we see it. And I think people are believing it now. Yeah, man. I, uh, a lot of people have been critical of Florida State's high school recruiting. They've done a really good job in the portal. Man, like I know they're in the K.J. Bolden sweepstakes, too. I know plenty of people that think that Florida State is getting K.J. Bolden. Now, this was before the Auburn um, Big Cat weekend. So I don't know what went down there. Um I have still remained. He'll he's going to Georgia until he doesn't. Um, but right, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm happy they're in the top five now. And and like Chris has mentioned, and trust me, the Travis Hunter situation burned me so bad. Like I just I don't I don't really rely yeah. on any recruit that's committed until they're signed and they're actually playing on the field. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm very pleased with what they're doing there, and and um, I'm excited for the season for sure. Speaking of Florida State. Uh, rumors are circulating again, and they I feels like every offseason since Texas and Oklahoma moved. Um, there's been some rumors about Florida State and Clemson joining the SEC. Um, and I think most people know that Florida State wants to get out of the ACC. Why would you not? Right, uh, right. But uh, so Chris Nee over at Knowles 247. Uh, reported this week and and i've i've been a subscriber of theirs for a long time and he is a very conservative reporter like he doesn't like to put things out that he's not really really sure about and so he said you know over the last decade and especially since the signing of the last uh acc tv contract with the grand rights i've been largely dismissive of fsu when it came to realignment discussion i'm not at this time i do believe fsu is wholeheartedly and actively looking to get out of the acc um, basically he said the, the comments from the ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips on, uh, at the ACC kickoff did not like, it wasn't impressive at all. And Dan, you were there. So maybe you saw it. Yeah. And the reason why it's getting a lot of buzz right now is because of this date, August 15th, which is in about two weeks. What does that mean? So that August 15th date, if there's a school who wants to exit this conference they have to notify the conference and its members of its plans by that date in order to leave by the end of the following June. If they don't give notification, they have to wait 22 months or basically two more seasons to let the ACC know of their intentions. So, yeah, um, 
it seems like there's a lot to work out with the grant of rights and the exit fees and all that kind of stuff. But it feels like Florida State has decided that they're ready to to go ahead and work through those legal situations and exit while they can. Yeah. There's rumors that Tuesday there's it's going to pop that Florida State, Clemson, Washington, and Oregon are going to announce they're going to the Big Ten. I have been wait wait when is that coming? What's that? Tuesday. Tuesday. This Tuesday. That's gonna they're gonna announce that on Tuesday. That's the rumor. I I don't know. I don't have a timeline on this. I do know that um, the August fifteenth timeline. If they want to get out by next year, they're gonna have to announce yeah. something. Um, so now it's where do they go? Um, I personally, a, I'm surprised that like no one's taking Oregon State. I, and I'm being serious when I say it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's still more they to, have there's issues. still more to come here with all this, but. I think Florida State, there's a lot of Big Ten smoke right now. My personal opinion mm-hmm. is Florida State wants to be in the SEC. They need to look like they're wanted from the Big Ten, which they probably yeah. are. Um, so the SEC will be forced to make a move because, you know, obviously Sankey's come out and been like, yeah, we have no no intentions of expanding anytime soon. Like we're kind of at, we're, we're at where we're at. Dan, I know you heard been hearing some rumors too. Yeah, so, you know, we'll get to Sankey here in just a second. But, I mean, um, Graham Coffey, funny enough, uh, second Graham Coffey uh, mentioned on this show. Uh, as I was driving back from Charlotte, was like, this FSU stuff is crazy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm on the road. I'm listening to Joe Rogan talk with some guy in the uh, Amazon rainforest. I mean, I was like, what, what's going on here? It was Theo Vaughn and, just there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, so I, I started doing some digging, too. And, uh, you know, I asked somebody that I trust, I, I said, hey, is there any validity to this? He said, for sure, there's nothing new. They've been working to get out for a long time now. And, and then I said, yeah, I, I find it hard to believe that they would do the Big Ten thing. He goes, I'm not convinced that's where they go, but that's if the SEC doesn't offer. And they said, apparently, I guess 10 years ago, the SEC made it clear to FSU, we're not going to take you. Now, I think things were a lot better. I, I mean, I, I maybe just from a position of strength, yeah. maybe it was also, too, they had just added A&M and Missouri, and they're like, we, we can't keep – like, that's a dangerous precedent to set. Um, and then the other interesting thing is, too, is I checked with somebody over at Clemson, and, and they said, I can tell you that Clemson had a meeting last week to discuss that very topic. Uh, not sure how the conversation went, but the schools uh, – both schools are obviously not very happy. Right. Now – Greg Greg Sankey was on with us at SEC Media Days, and he had gone out of his way, I feel like, and Chuck brings this up too, uh, about we're a regional league. We are a regional league. Guys, it doesn't get more regional than keeping Clemson and FSU in this part of the country. The natural rivalries are already there. Yeah, You take away, you know, of all of this, hey, you're not playing nine conference games. Well, screw you. I don't have to play Purdue. So, you know, that's – like us, us playing Ole Miss as a as a as a as opposed to playing Purdue or or Rutgers, yeah. ain't the same thing. No. So you know, I, I think that's another thing, and I mean, I don't think that any of the SEC coaches or presidents or ads would object to it, because they'd just be like, hey, that's more money for us, that's more exposure, that's the, the league only grows. So I think they would get over the whole, hey, how are we going to figure out the schedule thing? They're really just telling you at the schedule, it's not going to matter. We'll we'll just go as we go. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Pepper's out of control tonight. Um, so so I, I've talked about this before. 
because I feel like we like before we started recording, I, I think I made a comment about how I was like, we don't want to spend too much time on, on, you know, realignment. Cause I feel like we talk about it all the time now. Cause there's so much shit that's happening. It does get the feeling that this is starting to become more and more real. I don't know what the, the, the rumors about Tuesday or anything like that. Oregon or Washington is something I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I said this a while ago and I and I stand by it. I understand the regional part of it too. And I would be shocked if I look up and they re they realign and, and FSU and Clemson, if they go anywhere, aren't in the SEC. I would be shocked if, if, it, if that didn't happen. Miami makes a ton of sense, I thought, a couple months ago for the Big Ten because you have the academics, you talk about being good in other sports, um, football might not be like the most you know prevalent thing to most people that are associated with that university, just like a lot of you know the other the people that are proud academic alumni at, at the Big Ten schools. Um, but when you look what they did by going to get USC, and then you have like Penn State, obviously, or Rutgers if you want to get up to New Jersey, Michigan, touching every single point of like the map for the, the continental US, it does make a lot of sense as being like a nationwide conference. Now the question I'd ask to both of you on this is does it kind of sort of feel like the Big Ten is is less doing that strategically now? If they do get like Oregon, Washington, all these other teams, does it feel less like strategy and more like we're throwing shit at the wall until we can find as many good teams as possible so we can start competing with the SEC? I mean, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on this. I, I think that to the points you just brought up, they're very much the conference of the major city. Right. Like them going to get LA was strategic. Huge. Them already having Chicago, same deal. Rutgers, you get New York, New Jersey, you got that. Penn State, you mostly get Philadelphia right there. So I agree with you on the Miami side of it. I just, uh, you know, I also look at it as well, like UNC really being another one too, as well, because it's yeah. also too, I mean, like, where are kids coming from? Like, my brother was at UNC, tons of kids from New York, New mm-hmm. Jersey, Connecticut, those areas right there. So you already have a, a ton of uh, Carolina influence yeah. uh, there in those areas that I think would be kind of a hand-in-glove fit. The last one, too, Big 12 is being aggressive right now. Yeah, the big. I mean, Brett Yormark is basically saying, hey, uh, that's cute. You're trying to work on your uh, media rights deal in the Pac-12. I'm just going to go ahead and reach over and take some of those guys from you. Right. So uh, you got uh, less of a uh, an issue of uh, trying to find – the CW to do your games. <laughs> Dude, but we talked it's about this so again. Good. I mean, we, we talked about the, uh, like maybe, maybe there's going to be like a big three conferences instead of two, but I don't even know, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but how would that even work? It, it seems like it'd be impossible to name a champion. If you have three, you either have to have two or four. Right. I mean, I, I would just think that, you know, who are the best teams? I mean, really, when you look at yeah. it, I mean, and if they're in those leagues, so be it. And it's one of those, oh, well, you're in the American. Oh, you're in the Pac-12. I mean, I mean, I think you're an undefeated or a one-loss team at the end of the season, especially now. I actually am going to push back on that a little bit, Tyler. I think with the 12 teams, it makes it even easier. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that makes one of us. But I'm glad you pushed back on him. Tyler's been a real little bitch boy about this as of late, so – um, I don't mean that. No names, no names. Come on, man. Come on. We, we LBD. This is like our. This is where we. This is where we first started. Pepper, I hear you. I don't know what you want me to do right now. Um, no, I, I, I. That makes sense. I, but I, it is it's still going to be very interesting to see. Like, have the three left, man. It's like I would rather have the ACC still be around. Of the three, I don't know. I just all of it. Pepper, Jesus Christ. 
all of it, all of it. I'm not, I'm, as a traditionalist, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of it. You guys talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to let Pepper out real quick. This is outrageous. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I agree. I mean, I, I do think Florida State, I don't know, man. The, I'm hearing a lot of smoke about the Big Ten. And, and maybe that's what it is. It's just smoke to, to try to get the SEC to make uh, an action on something. Because if you're the SEC, you really don't want Florida State and Clemson and Miami no. to all go to the Big Ten, you know? Well, I mean, especially too when you factor in the you know revenue wars that are between them and the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten, for the reasons that I just mentioned, you know, they have that on their side. I think that the ACC's issue is, and I will give Jim Phillips credit for this last year. I, I didn't hear his whole speech this year at ACC kickoff, but he straight up at the podium last year in Charlotte said, "We got to get better at football." Yeah, and I said he was directly talking to the programs that need to be the ones carrying the water. I mean, Miami coming to the ACC has been a failure. It has not been what they had hoped it would True. be. Uh, Virginia Virginia Tech, uh, since they came over from the Big East, they have not been who they were supposed to be. I mean, I'm sorry. You're not really going to grab me on a Saturday by telling me, oh, man, Pitt's got a real opportunity to win the ACC. Awesome. And they're one of the oh, best. Man, Wake Forest has a real <laughs> – uh, But I, I, I know, but but that's like the that's the problem, though, is, I mean <laughs> – they need to be at, at your strongest for your league. They need to be middle of the pack at yeah, best. Completely they need right. to have those other schools are the ones that are, that are there. I mean, you know, my God. I, I mean, when was the last time after the SEC championship game wrapped up that we said, man, I need to get in front of my TV and, and, and watch the ACC championship game? More often than not, it's an afterthought. It's always on in the background while, while you're, you know, you're finally eating dinner and maybe having a couple of drinks after the uh, SEC championship game. Yeah. Or watch the Big Ten Championship, which is like, I hate the Big Ten. I'll watch that almost every time. Because, and here's the other thing, too, is it's always a blowout. It's never like it's a good game, you know? So, anyway. Yeah. But. Well, plus the Big Ten, you get Gus Johnson. <laughs> That's true. Do you love Gus? Um, we decided to talk about tiers of title winners uh, this episode. Because I think there's been this long-standing argument that there's basically like only four or five teams that could really have like a chance at actually winning a title every year. Um, but I do think that there's tiers. I mean, think about TCU last year. I mean, I don't think at the beginning of the year you would have said, Hey, they're in that second tier where they could make it to the playoff. But I mean, they were in the championship game. They beat Michigan. One of the, yeah. one of the teams that you, I think you could, you know, say is probably in that top tier of title contenders. So, um, I wanted to get some thoughts from you guys on just tiers of title winners. I think the ultimate top tier, the favorites to win, are, are the, all the names that you know. Is there anyone outside of Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and Michigan that you feel like should be in that top tier? Top tier? LSU. Yeah, I was about to say them. Yeah? I, I mean, I, I mean, they're – they're, they are as set at the quarterback position as anybody that you just mentioned. And yeah. I mean, th th that alone, I, I think, is a reason why you got to throw them in there. And, I mean, the way that that team performed last year, I just think it's going to be interesting with them. You know, do, do they kind of, like, let that get to them? And I, and I feel like Brian Kelly has done a good job of, you know, he talked with Blake Topmeyer of the USA Today where he was like, no, not this year. And people looked at it and were like, whoa, 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 dude. Like, don't do that. But I knew what he was doing. I knew that he was like, hey, look, we've had years in the past where we, you know, people were singing our praises and then we go up to Lambeau Field and we lose to Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, like, 
that's what he's kind of trying to guard against, I think. Yeah, well, I think the thing too about LSU is, and I've been pretty critical of what I think they are, they have to prove it more than anything. Because if you look at LSU, they kind of flash in a lot of ways. It's like it's really cool. You get to brag about you've had three national championships with three different coaches since 2003, so in the last 20 years, which is no other program's done. Obviously, it's really, really super impressive. They seem like they're always in contention. Um, even in some of the down years, they've you know they've still kind of flashed like 2020. You know, they go on the road and beat Florida and all that kind of stuff. Um, for most of the end of the last miles era, it was kind of a disappointment, right? It was like you were ranked in the top five preseason. You have Leonard Fournette, who's a Heisman frontrunner, walking away with it, you know, averaging 191 yards per game going into November. And then you, you know, I don't even know if he was a finalist looking back at it, but I, I, I could be wrong. Um, all of that being – he wasn't – no. So, I mean, like all that being said, like – no, they they have so much returning, and they also kind of look like they've improved everywhere. But you've got to go from I think most teams make the, the biggest jump from year one to year two. You got to kind of prove you weren't you weren't a flash in the pan. And, and when you really look like like I, I just I still get the very real feeling, and I don't feel like I'm I'm being this is from me being critical. I think this is from me being realistic and objective here. Is, I still get the feeling of a revisionist history of a lot of the ways we look at last season for LSU. I saw it when they played Florida State. You get dominated for three quarters, and it's we we should have won that game because you lost by one. Well, I mean, if you don't if you don't fumble on the one yard line, you're you're blown out by two scores against a Florida State team yeah. that nobody apparently had respect for. You go, you beat Bama, you beat LSU, you beat Ole Miss when they were, I believe, undefeated, um, and you beat the brakes off of them in Death Valley, and you know, at not even at night. Um, but again, when you look at the way they ended in the season, stumbling through Arkansas and then getting your fucking tits ripped by by A and M, excuse my language, but I mean like like there's just there's no excuse for what happened at A and M. There's just not. And so I, I've said this the other day on, on SiriusXM. I know our listeners are probably tired of, of hearing because I've said it at nauseum, but it's like if you close your eyes and you talk about a team that had a lot of their momentum built off of beating Alabama early or before the end of the season with several games left. Then kind of going, you know, eight, nine wins to the end of the year, stumbling at times when they shouldn't have, having a great recruiting class and a great offseason, but most of it built off that game against Alabama, and then some embarrassing losses afterwards. I mean, that's if that's not 2021 AM, I don't know what it is. Now there's no part of me that thinks that LSU is going five and seven. Zero part of me. I think they're a 10 win team at, at like easily. I think they're a really, really good team. But I just think this whole idea of them going on the road to compete in some of these bigger games that they didn't have to necessarily do last year. I mean, you know, you you look at it, those losses they had, A&M, Tennessee, and Tennessee was a great team. They were close. So I I wonder what that looks like going into year two um, and, and being more competitive consistently, I think, throughout the year. I've got more questions about Ohio State than I have about LSU. Because Ohio State, well, that's number one. And then number two, is this defense really going to be all that good? I mean, like everybody talks Jim Knowles praise. Michigan ran all over them. I mean, that was a team that I think in some ways last year will help them because I think that probably Ryan Day's rallying cry could be talent ain't going to win you games. Right. I mean, you know, they kind of puttered through that game against uh, Notre Dame last year. They had to come back and, you know, uh, uh, JT Tuimolowau, uh just taking over that game at Penn State. But then, you know, you faced Michigan, who had been dead set 
up until two years ago on beating you. Right. And they finally did. And now Michigan looks at them, I think, and says, you're not tough enough to beat us. So, I mean, I think until proven otherwise, they've got to be able to show that. And I think those are the questions I have. I mean, like everybody's just going ahead and saying Kyle McCord and then Ryan Day at Big Ten Media Days, if I'm not mistaken, was like, well, let's kind of pump the brakes on that a little bit. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be Kyle McCord, but for everything that people say, uh, you know, about Georgia and about Bama, I mean, why aren't we saying that more about Ohio State? Because I just feel like even with, you know, Ekbuka back and also Marvin Harris in the second and Cade Stover, they still had a lot to replace on that offensive line. They got some transfers, but still that was something that they needed to do. And I think that probably they do need to get back to a little bit of what Ohio State was uh, pre-Urban Meyer. And that was a team that, if nothing else, they were known as being too slow, but they were also known as being a team that they're going to beat the hell out of you up front. They hadn't been that in a while. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Oh, I will say too, though, with Ohio State, and this is one of the things I've been, one of the reasons I've been very high on them is, and I'm looking through one right now, um, trying to find it, but, you know, I've, I've seen, I don't know, five, six, somewhere around that amount of, of, of mock drafts going into next year. And it's super early. You never know what that means, what they're, what they're going to be able to take into next year. But, man, I'll tell you what, I haven't seen a single mock draft where they have less than five first-round potential draft picks. And at least three of those are coming off that defensive front from like the defensive tackles and the edge rusher position with Sawyer and and the, the last name I'm not going to pronounce is Hawaiian, so Johnny Tsunami. But like that, Tui Molowau, Tui Molowau, Tui Molowau. Told me it. I watched. I watched forgetting Sarah Marshall today, so I should have known that. I should have been better with me. But I mean, like, but it's still like it. it it's you have a lot of talent there. It's a. It's a you know a, a team that really just recruits well year in year out. Um, obviously, they've got a lot of talent at receiver. They got a really people just forget about Travion Henderson and how good of a running back that kid is. Um, I mean, we're, we're two or three years removed from them signing six of the top 11 players in the country. I mean, that's unheard of. I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. So we'll see how it plays out, but I'm, I'm not as concerned about them, especially because of the fucking schedule they play. Put the picture back, bro. You're stealing my art. Doodle paper. You're throwing doodle paper. That's right. At me. That's right. So that, also the second tier I was, I didn't really know what to call it. I said they absolutely can win one, but they need things to break their way. And that's where I had LSU. Yeah. I had LSU, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, and USC in that tier, where it's just like talented teams. Um, I don't think that they can necessarily beat LSU, obviously, can beat Bama. I don't, and I don't know if they could beat Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, USC, I think they'd be underdogs to all the four favorites that we named. But I think that if things break their way, like maybe they face up against Georgia and there's a key injury for Georgia. Like there's some, there's a, there's a path you could see for them winning, but they're not going to be the favorites. Anybody else you guys would add to that besides Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, USC, LSU? So I don't even know if I'd have, if I would even have, um, USC that high because that defense was atrocious last year. And, and yeah, here's the other thing, too. Everyone loves to talk about how great USC is going to be because they have Caleb Williams. We're just going to refuse to talk about the fact that they lost arguably the best receiver in the country last year. One of them. He won the Blitnikoff two years ago. Yeah. I mean, like Addison's gone, right? Um, I understand that we just kind of give Lincoln Riley the benefit of the doubt because what he does with quarterbacks and what he's able to do with – 
you know, on offense and stuff like that. But I tell you what, man, that defense, like that team got beat twice by Utah last year, right? They almost lost. They almost lost to, uh, to Oregon State. They, you know, they needed four interceptions on like a, just an abysmal day when Caleb Williams couldn't get it done. Um, I have a very big issue with teams that have everything in front of them and then falter like that. And I, I give LSU a lot of shit because they had everything in front of them for the A&M game. But you know what else LSU also had in front of them was Georgia. That's not an easy road, right? Like that's way different than being like, okay, we got to beat an okay UCLA team in a two-thirds full stadium. Then we got to go play Utah. It's always easier to beat a team the second time around. Cam Rising got the shit knocked out of him in that game. Like you should be able to beat this team, and you don't. And you do it in kind of horrific fashion. I, I So USC, I wouldn't even have them in that second tier. I think the three I have is Penn State, FSU, and Clemson. I might even throw Washington in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was talking with uh, I was talking with Jim Nagy uh, in Nashville a little bit, and he was telling me about the amount of guys that he's going to be inviting from Washington. I mean, Michael Penix, um, and and you know him coming back, and you know he obviously found a really good home there. I think that Washington is a team. Look, I mean, the moral of the story is, you know, the Pac-12 is actually going to be fun to watch this year. Yeah, that probably conference wide the best quarterback play that we're going to see across the country is going to come out of that conference. And I agree with you on SC. I think they kind of are a little bit in the, is Texas back category, you know, and and I know that some people listening to this might say, why isn't Texas in here for that very reason? I would not have Texas in here because Texas fans didn't like this when I said it, but I said, until you can beat Kansas state TCU and Texas tech regularly, then I really don't need to worry about you. And then I then followed it up with, Oh, by the way, if this is triggering you, then it's going to be a tough go for you in the SEC because this is mild uh, compared to all the other things. But uh, if uh, permission to kind of just like backslide just a little bit, what if the Big Ten cannibalizes itself this year? Here's the scenario. Ohio State beats Penn State there in Columbus. Penn State beats Michigan end of the year in Ann Arbor, Michigan beats Ohio State. Yeah. Then people want chaos if those teams are around at the end of the year and kind of being like, oh, like, which two are we taking to Indianapolis? Because I think they got away from the divisions this year. I, I think that's done as well. I think it's next year's the first year once just, USC and UCLA yeah. get there. Is yeah. it next year? Yeah. But that makes it even tougher. And the cannibalizing so, part of it, like you're saying, it's, it's even more difficult. Because yeah. I think that, like, then you have a genuine winner. It's like, all right, whoever wins that – Second round matchup. Matchup. I will tell you this, Dan. And I've been wrong before, and I'll probably be wrong again by saying it. I I forgot about Texas, which is probably reason enough to not have them in that second tier. But I would probably put them in the second tier. They have a lot to prove. I get it. But like Sark and that offense, they've got dudes, man. They've got dudes. And I like. I know what it looked like last year. I know what happened. Let's play devil's advocate for a second. Maybe maybe Quinn Ewers does play that entire game. Maybe he does, and, and they beat Bama. What does that do for the rest of the season? Because I, I guarantee they don't end up in the fucking Holiday Bowl, or, or that wasn't the Holiday Bowl. That was a great, actually a great bowl game. Um, Alamo, I think. It was something like that. It was, it was like the Texas or the Alamo or, or something. But that being said, like – like, one of the things I, I – Texas fans are bad, and I get it. They're obnoxious. This is one of the first things I said when they got brought to the SEC was they're delusional, they're obnoxious, and they think they're the, their team is the, is the center of the universe, which is exactly why they're a perfect fit for the SEC because that's every other fucking team and fan base in, in the SEC already. 
besides maybe Vanderbilt. You know who's worse than Texas is Oklahoma. Oklahoma fans are about as delusional as possible. They have won nothing of significance since 2002. They've, been, they've gotten really close. They've gotten close a whole bunch. So did the 90 Braves. We didn't talk about them like this. I mean, like, we get it. We, we, we totally get it. You guys almost won, and you did so with a Heisman quarterback. Like, to quote Chris Farley, man, Lottie frickin' da. Like, who fucking cares? You've, you've gotten I – saw, I saw somebody post this the other day, and it's, it's obviously this is like a random person, and, and social media is, is social media. But there's like a very real feeling from these fan bases, especially from Oklahoma – Texas, I get because like your program just beat Oklahoma by forty nine last year, and you probably should have beat him in year one under Sark, but you blew that lead. Oklahoma is a six and seven program last year, like they they they're, were, they lost to Tulane, right? Or they I think it was at least like a like a four quarter game like the year before. This is not a team that is like in in this day and age of football, you're being led by a defensive mind in, in his second year as a head coach, and then going to the SEC. You want to talk about a recipe for just fucking becoming mid-tier? Like, like Colin Coward says a lot of stuff, and I don't think I've ever agreed with anything he said, besides he's got a hot daughter. He said this last week, and he was one of the most spot-on things I think I've heard from anyone talking about, like, like conference realignment. Nebraska football used to contend year in, year out, and somehow was a national power, and they're an afterthought now. Oklahoma could easily be the next Nebraska with how things are going and the conference they're going to. I think they recruit too well in the state of Texas to be that. But, I mean, I, I get your point. I think more than anything with Oklahoma, it's get past Lincoln left us. That's your problem. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't, you weren't good enough to keep him. Right. And, oh, by the way, people thought that he was going to go to a school that was in the conference you're going into. Mm-hmm. So that's more about what your issues are that he looked at you and said, I can do better somewhere else than I can do here. And I think that more than anything, that's just what has to be proven there at OU is they've just got to say, this has not been good enough. It's been okay, but it's not been good enough. I yeah. mean, we're, you know, showing that we're good enough to make the dance. We're not good enough to advance in the dance. And that's been their problem. Yeah, I've got them in the fourth tier and teams that will probably be improved this year. What? But they won't. Texas or Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Oh, I was going to say, I was like... I have Texas in the third tier, which is talented, but they're on the outside looking in for the to win a title this year. Texas, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Utah, Oregon, Washington. I, I could see Washington being moved up a tier. I, I did debate that one. Yeah. And, and Oregon. We talk about quarterback play and how big of a deal it is, and Bo Nix, whether we want to admit it or not, unless he backslides or slides back or whatever the fucking phrasing is, that sounded cool when you said it, Dan. I don't know how to use it. But, like, unless it, like, dramatically falls off, I mean, he had 42 touchdowns last year. That's really good. I'm, ex- I'm like, listen, I might get a Bo Nix jersey. You guys know I'm a huge Oregon fan. You're going to get a boner. I mean. What's wrong with you? I thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a Okay. All right. Uh, you know but, what? Uh, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, you want to talk about probably the most improved team last year. It was Oregon. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that game against Georgia, you saw them and you were like, ooh, it's going to be a long year up mm-hmm. there in the Northwest. But they quickly took on what Dan Lanning probably wants to build there. I mean, they were a physical team. Mm-hmm. They were a team that got better and better as the, as the season went along. But, you know, I think, um, you know, just in terms of Texas, I think a couple of things to really keep in mind with them is, 
they finally have built up their lines. Yeah. Like that was something that was a real issue for them that they could not figure out since they played against Bama in the national championship game. And they finally done it. I mean, Bo Davis is unreal at recruiting yep. and developing defensive line talent. And, um, you know, and, and also too, I mean, uh, their offensive line, I think they got the guy that used to be at Auburn. I think he's their coach. Um, I'll need to look up. Who they return all five starters too. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that with them, it could kind of be a reverse of 2019 LSU because I think if they had beaten LSU that night, then that season goes completely different. And we're probably talking about Tom Herman still being at oh, Texas man. as opposed to the other way around where it was, you know, a, a, an LSU team that kind of found out some things about themselves that night. They were like, shit, we can throw the football and we can do it really well. Yeah. And, and we've got just absolute dogs that, that can make plays for us. And uh, it went along uh, for the rest of the season. Kyle Flood is is their offensive yep. line coach, but um, but I mean, it, it's still I mean that trip to Alabama I think is going to mean everything for them because to your point, Chris, I, don't, I I think that every single guy returning on that team is going to be like no disrespect to Hudson Card. If we had Quinn on the field, I think we win that game, and and that's what they've been thinking about all off season. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree with that. I, I would I would. I, I tell you what, a lot. The only pushback on that, and we'll move on from it, is I've heard the thing about like you know Bijan Robinson is going to be gone. There's not an, there's not a position that's easier to replace with elite talent, in my opinion, than that position. They brought in the the, uh, the top two running back in the country from last year's recruiting class, and then you look at that game alone. I think he had 21 carries for like 57 yards. So, Ty, let's do like one more tier. I, I guess we kind of did, and then you want to get the uncensored moment of the week. We should we should just. This has been a good episode, and we're like at 53 minutes. So we should probably just skip the questions and answers from the yeah. fans since we didn't get any good ones anyway, besides the one guy who sent us a nine-part question essay that he wants us to fill out and have on his desk by next week. Uh, my my last year is kind of – they'll be improved this year, but they don't really have a chance to win a title. You guys, I mean, what do you guys, so I've got Oklahoma in that tier along with UNC, Texas A&M, Wisconsin, Oregon State, and Ole Miss. UNC is going to be improved? Yeah. They lost their best receiver, and they lost their offensive coordinator. They had the worst defense in America. So the defense will get better. Drake May is going to be Shit, the number one fucking close the defensive part. I knew it. I walked into that one. That was my bad. Uh, the, they've got uh, the number one pick at quarterback, and they brought in a really talented receiver uh, that had, like, 11 touchdowns and almost a thousand yards or over a thousand yards last year. Um, I mentioned him on this podcast Walker, a couple of weeks ago yeah. as one of my top transfers to make an impact. Top trade. I don't think UNC is going to compete for a championship. That's why I say they have no chance. The only thing I, I could probably I think they're get improved. where I, where I, I could see Texas A&M being maybe one up in the talented, but they're on the outside looking in because they are a very talented roster. They've had a lot of turnover. Yeah. Uh, but even in the transfer they've brought in have been former, like, really good players. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I, was, I would I would – almost in the same way that you had in the third tier, I would I would strictly look at this from, like, a improved – probably not going to win the title, but going to be improved. Um, I, would, I would just look at, at the SEC because – I think Miami is probably falls in that category. I think they're going to be improved. They're five and seven a year ago. Um, it, Ole Miss and A and M 
are the two names that jump out most to me in that in that like that name of the group because Ole Miss is probably going to be a little bit more settled at quarterback even though they brought in more and also this is weird I don't get it but every time they do any of their shit on social media they feature all three quarterbacks like at least two of them aren't going to start and I don't know what we're doing so I, I, I don't get that part but Judkins in year two the defense is going to be tremendously improved with, with Pete Golding. I think that's going to be like, a, that's a no brainer. And then you look at what A&M's got, man, year two of some of those big recruits they've got, they've got a ton of talent on defensive line yeah. to what the trenches where you win games. And they've got a couple of dudes. Wiggins, a former five-star. We've seen what Petrino can do with quarterbacks, what they have at receiver, not just, and, you get, and we forget about Anaya Smith. We just fucking forget about that kid. And he's, he's a phenomenal talent. We forget about him all the time. But Stewart, Evan, and Shamar, man, on opposite side of the balls, obviously. But I mean, I, I just I think they're going to be a lot better than people think this year. Yeah, you, you stole mine with A and M. I mean, Anaya Smith. Right. We've seen what we we've seen what Jimbo can do with them when he's got them on the field. I mean, he was somebody that Bama in that game couldn't stop. Yeah. I mean, along with Dev, Devin Achain. I mean, you know, he's just you know. I asked him a couple of weeks ago at SEC Media Days. I just said. Hey, just straight up, like, what are you? Are, are you a running back? Are you a receiver? He said athlete. Yeah. Basically, you know, alluding to that Petrino and, and Jimbo are, are going to use him as everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, we just talked about Bijan Robinson a few minutes ago. I mean, I think that you will see plays where he's lined up in the backfield and it's a pitch to him there. You know, I don't think you're going to see him like running between the tackles per se, but I think it's more or less just get the guy the ball yeah. and special things can happen. I, I think it's the way he's going to be looked at. I agree. All right, let's get into our uncensored moments of the week here. There, we have a couple of them. Um, moments. I, I the, the story out of Clemson is just absurd. Um, yeah. I saw somebody put up a tweet. <laughs> I saw somebody put up a tweet was uh, that said, so basically this, this recruit TJ Dudley or no, he's, he's on the team, I guess. Um, He's on the team, I was about to say. Not anymore, but... um, Was, like, taking pictures of his teammates in the locker room, nude, but they didn't know about it, and he was selling them on OnlyFans. So the OnlyFans part, I'm pretty sure is not true. And as somebody that's on OnlyFans, a great deal. (laughs) Um, I don't think... No, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm kidding. I don't think... I don't think that part was true. Um... Because that's a that's a that, that's I mean let's call it what it is like that if it was he'd be in the back of a fucking cop car yeah, that's yeah. a crime you can't be doing that and like so that part I thought was I'm assuming a little bit egregious in terms of like the the reality of it but the other part of it is real and super fucked up yes uh, and like <laughs> this kid to me it's like you hit the portal what program is going to want to take that. <laughs> Northwestern. Oh, too soon. Is that too soon? <laughs> Is that... Uh, I saw a tweet that was pretty funny, not from a, a verified account. It didn't really have many retweets, but I thought it was funny. It said, man was selling nude pics of his teammates. If I heard that without the school name attached, I still would have guessed Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> Just Dabo's brother doing it? <laughs> you mean I know who he is? Yeah, I don't. That's that's just super fucking weird, man. I don't know. I don't. I just that is just super weird. That's just super weird. Um, and maybe more heavier news. Uh, former Auburn football player 
Robert Shiver, yes. uh, former long snapper for Auburn. Um, unfortunately, on a f- what was it on a family vacation in the Bahamas, he was murdered. No, he's alive. Okay, but he was attempted to be murdered. His Fine. wife was trying to. Come to find out, his wife set up a hit while they were down there. So the best part about this whole story is the picture that Daily Loud posted with it. Because it, <laughs> if you if you have to see it, I wish we could post it up. I wish we, I'll say it, I wish we still had StreamYard. We'd be able to post it up here. We'll post it in the, in the, in the aftermath video. But no, the best part about this whole thing is the fact that the picture Daily Loud posted of this woman is her wearing a hat that says Miss M I S S Behaven. And she is trying to murder her husband. Like, it is like, so the ins and outs of the actual story are wild, wild as hell. But it also, he, he's still alive. Like, I mean, you come to the Bahamas, get a fucking pina colada and chill out, lady. What could have been going on? Yes. <laughs> There it is. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, I just can't. The picture is just like, oh, misbehaving. She's. I mean, so I think she, a lot of people joke around like with women that look that attractive and say shit like, "I'd let her ruin my life." This guy actually did, and to that, I give him credit. Yeah, kind of a crazy story. I goes. I want to say um, I'm familiar with this couple because obviously I, you know, coming from Atlanta, I have a lot of friends that went to Auburn. And this guy was a long snapper, and I knew a girl who was dating the kicker at the time. Uh, what was his name? John Vaughn. One of the Carlsons. Remember John Vaughn? Yeah. So I think he was the snapper for this guy. So I think they used to hang out, and I think I've like been in circles with them before. This is wild to see. Yeah. Well, she didn't put a hit out on the news, so you got that. I mean, you know, guy goes to the Bahamas thinking, hey, fun trip, and then – Oh, I almost got whacked. Uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't so fun. The calls were coming from inside the house. I mean, that is like <laughs> that is crazy. That is why. Did it say what her plan was? Um, I don't know how flawed it is. Also, like, is it also the most on-brand Auburn thing possible that like you pretend to have this loving relationship, and the entire time your person closest to you, you're supposed to trust more than anybody, is trying to go out and axe you the whole time? Because I've seen that with at least three head coaches. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know, man. That's that's uh, it's, something tells me. weren't they like? I think they were about to go through a divorce, anyways. <laughs> so things were amiss. Whether he wanted to or not, yeah, they yeah. were. Uh, I'd say it's better to take your chances with that and getting what you want uh, of the fifty-fifty than uh, now probably spending the next uh, I don't know twenty-five to fifty years in prison. No, she'll get out for good behaving misbehaving i see what you did there um there you go and then lastly not so much of a shock i think i many people saw this coming but the kind of outspoken leader of miami's nil john ruiz um it's come to find out like he's being investigated like through his businesses of being like a basically just like a fraud and he's his I don't... his company is like has been delisted from the stock exchange because when you're a publicly traded company, you have to give like your quarterly reports to the, I, I guess it's like the SEC, so they can be publicly transmitted, so the public knows about your financial situation. And they just stopped giving those, they stopped doing cut quarterly updates. 
Um, and they, so they got delisted. And the reason why is because they're just hemorrhaging money. And this guy's been living high on the hog, like doing the NIL thing. And uh, he's a complete fraud. Shocking, I know. I, I'm like, there's there are Miami fans out there who are like, can we just do this? <laughs> no. Like, like, can there's can, nothing can they do like, normally? Not have. Can, can we not have Ponzi schemes? Can we not have dirty money? Can we, can we not have, I mean, you know, situations like this? I mean, the funny thing is, uh, I don't know, Billy Corbin, the guy that uh, directed the 30 for 30s yeah. on the U, uh, he, has, he has a hashtag, and I think they use him on Levitard, but his hashtag is hashtag because Miami, like talking about like the city as yeah. a whole. Right. And it, it sounds like this hashtag probably fits in this one. Hashtag because Miami. 100%. So, you know, I mean, it's just it's it's like one of those things that like you like look at and you're just like, can this program like ever like be normal? I mean, you know, you, you play you play in a, you know, 80 percent empty Hard Rock Stadium. That's about 45 minutes to an hour away from your campus. <laughs> yeah. And at a minimum. Um, well, remember, John Ruiz was going to build them a whole new stadium. You, you forget that, Dan. Right. Yeah, John, right, right. I just, a, I just love park. the fact that it's one guy. Like he's a fucking team mom. Like, like on like an eight and under soccer team. Like, no, who's getting juice box this week? John, John, are you getting juice? No, like you can't. He can't be in charge of the whole, whole fucking thing. It's absurd. And I remember I was covering the Texans too, and the Nevin Shapiro stuff happened, and they made Andre Johnson available because remember it was that whole Yahoo yeah. story that like blew the lid off this thing about like, you know, dude was straight up running a Ponzi scheme and using it to entice Miami players. And it's just like, huh, that's, that's awesome. And having to ask Andre Johnson, you know, Hey, you know, were you in strip clubs with this guy? And uh, yeah, those were interesting questions to ask for sure. I just, I just think it's so funny the way the whole thing is broken down because it's like, it, it, again, it's one person. And Tyler Tyler was like out ahead of this before anyone. Like he, like the first time we heard about NIL and I was like all about it, I was like, listen, teams like Miami, Tennessee, USC, when you have deep pockets and you're starved for, like I hate to say it, but only one of those schools has seemed to really continue to rise to the crop, like the cream rising the crop, like rise to the top. I don't know what I'm trying to fucking tell you. You get it. Yep. Um, and that's kind of, like if you would have told me that, of those three teams, Tennessee was going to be the one doing it the right way, <laughs> which they currently are, even though I know it happened with Pruitt, but they currently are. That's mind-blowing to me. But the whole thing, with like, you put all your eggs in one basket. And also, like, wasn't there also some sort of, like, tiff a while back with them where it was like, like, he was like, I can't be, I feel like there was, like, something where he lashed out and was like, I can't be in charge of everything. Like, just like an angry dad who's like, he's like, his fucking stretched too thin. Like, I can't fucking, pay, like, look at the credit card bill. Miami, because he said that he gave ten million dollars in nil money alone. That just doesn't seem like a good investment. But he apparently isn't good. Good <laughs> not for five and seven. Well, I mean, but that's the problem though with Miami. I mean, that's that's what it, I think in a weird way allows for stuff like this to happen because, like, they openly talk about we don't have the deep pockets that everybody else does. I mean, they could. But I just think the problem is, is because of issues in the past. They yeah. have people who are connected to University of Miami. They're like, no way, dude. I, I'm not. I love my Canes. I, I will support my Canes. I'll give where I can. But I am not going to be involved in anything like this. Not with this school. Well, guys, anything else before we call it here? 
Roll Tad. Okay. That's the end of the show. I will. I, will, I do have one thing to say, real quick. I have one thing to say. I, I want everyone to get excited about this. We're recording this on a Sunday. It's going to come out on Monday, July thirty first. On Monday, July thirty first, at eleven fifty nine p.m. The minute hand will go to double zero or twelve or whatever. I don't fucking know how clocks work. Um, and it'll officially be August first on Tuesday, which means. There's college football that month. Oh, yeah. We're, I'm so we're fired up, man. Approaching. We'll continue yeah. our preview series this week. Uh, we're going to go conference by conference, ending with the SEC. Um, so stay tuned for that. That's the end of this show, though. As always, we really appreciate you all listening to the show. It would really help us in the growth of the show if you would rate us five stars on Apple. We're finally back on Apple Podcasts, by the way, for those of you that only listen. We are. And the numbers show you that most of you rate us five. You, you can't rate us five stars on Spotify right now. No, so don't do. I I got I somebody told like Jeff Williams told me about it. I went and looked. It'll show up as five stars. It doesn't give you a reason to submit. So don't give us fucking four stars, okay? All right, don't do that. Yeah, wait until we can do the five stars or go to Apple, do whatever. Um, but yeah, we're back on Apple. Just a shade under a decade of being off there, so it's good. I'm excited. My bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. Just wanted you guys to know. Yeah, leave a go ahead and leave a review for us as well if you can. Uh, the best ones will be read on air. Uh, we haven't had any lately because we haven't been on Apple Podcasts, so I can't wait for that to come back. Um, go to yeah. our YouTube page, Saturday Down South. Like and subscribe there. Don't forget to check out the SDS Podcast weekly with Connor O'Gara. And check out all our videos and clips from the show. Twitter, at Sat Down South. Instagram and TikTok, at Saturday Down South. And on YouTube, Saturday Down South. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate Dan for joining us today. For Chris and Dan, I'm Tyler. We will see you guys later this week.